Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. Coronavirus is having a major impact on everything from schools, sports, the economy, and more. We are announcing that out of an abundance of caution, Chicago's postponing this year's St. Patrick's Day Parade. The NBA suspended its season after a player on the Utah Jazz tested positive for coronavirus. As Harvard's campus empties out at the end of this week for spring break, students living on campus are being asked to pack up their things and leave until further notice. All schools in Seattle Public Schools will be closed for a minimum of 14 days. Here in Illinois, officials announced six new cases of the virus yesterday. The state now has 25 confirmed cases of novel coronavirus or COVID-19. Meanwhile, public health officials around the world are encouraging people to avoid large public events, crowds, and unnecessary interactions, a practice sometimes called social distancing. Yasha Munk, contributing writer at The Atlantic, says social distancing is the only way to stop coronavirus and that we must start now. His article is called simply Cancel Everything. Yasha, welcome to Reset. Uh, Thank you very much. So give us a little more detail on what social distancing is and why you think it's necessary right now. Uh, Yeah, look, um, there's still a lot of facts that are emerging about corona at this early stage, but there's three things on which scientists and epidemiologists seem to agree. The first is that, as you've been saying, this virus spreads exponentially. It is very, very easily communicated from one person to another, And we've seen in some countries like Italy uh, that it can increase at just a breathtaking rate. So you can have 100 cases in one week, 1,000 cases the following week, and 10,000 cases the week after that. The second thing is that this disease is, is much more deadly than diseases like the flu. It is too early to know exactly what the fatality rate is going to be. Early estimates put it at 1%. Recent evidence suggests that it might be even more than that. And then the third, the potentially positive fact that we found out is that extreme forms of social distancing can work. That when you put cities in quarantine, when people decide to stay at home, when uh, office workers decide to do telework rather than coming to the office, when people don't go about uh, their lives, going to big events, to concerts, to sports, uh, seeing a lot of people, finally, this disease stops spreading. And so Uh, I think out of those three facts, the logical conclusion is that we need to exercise extreme forms of social distancing right now in order to save lives, in order to make this disease more manageable, and in order to hopefully be able to get back to normal life sooner rather than later. So when I think people hear social distancing, they think big picture and and small picture. So just in the last few minutes, the Big Ten, the ACC, and the SEC have all canceled their conference basketball tournaments. So these would be large gatherings of people. But I've been having conversations with people who are like, well, can can I go to my friend's house and have dinner? What are the concrete steps people should take right now? Uh, Well, look, I think the most important is to um, uh, have these systemic changes, to make it easy for all non-essential workers to to work from home, for example, to make it easy for schools to close, for pupils to stay at home. On the personal realm, I personally have been self-isolating since Sunday. I don't want to risk giving corona to somebody. If unbeknownst to myself, I might be a carrier. 
that may be a little bit extreme. I, I, I prefer to take that precaution than to feel later on that I may have given this disease to somebody. Now, of course, um, if you uh, have people in your family who need care and you need to go and help them, if you need to go to the supermarket in order to stock up on goods that you need in order for your family to eat, um, you should absolutely do that. But I think everything that you can avoid, everything that is not necessary at this point, uh, would best be avoided. Because the more we decline to do all of these things, the less social context we have, the faster the spread of this disease is going to slow and stop. Yasha, when you look at the general response coming from Americans in regards to coronavirus, how do you think our country is responding? Well, I mean, I think so far the response has been far too little, far too late. Um, It is uh, astonishing that we are still incapable of testing most people who have a reasonable suspicion of having corona. The testing rates in the United States are lower than they are in just about any other developed democracy. And of course, we lost crucial weeks and months in which this administration pretended uh, that corona was not particularly dangerous, not particularly something to be concerned about. Now, on the positive side, I have to say that I'm very heartened by the turnaround in the last few days. Um, when I started talking about this on Sunday, that's four days ago, uh, people still looked at me like I was a little bit crazy. Um, at this point, uh, cancel everything is trending on Twitter. And all of these events, as you're saying, uh, are in fact being called off. Um, third was uh, uh, cynical of uh, Donald Trump last night to pretend that he had been at the forefront of the fight against Corona and been warning about its danger all along. I'm very glad that he has uh, switched his position and is now uh, also using uh, his bully pulpit and, of course, his power over the federal government to make clear to people just how dangerous this disease is. It looks as though after weeks of partisan lunacy, uh, we are finally uniting uh, to take this threat seriously. And that makes me a little bit hopeful for the evolving response in the coming weeks. Put the U.S. response into context uh, with other countries like China and South Korea, places where the virus was also gained a foothold. What did we see in those places? Well, what we saw in uh, China is that there was a lot of denial and a lot of delay at the beginning. And that's when this virus got completely out of control and they had to shut the whole province of Hubei down and put very extreme measures of enforced social distancing uh, into place. Now, thankfully, uh, those uh, measures have, in fact, uh, been effective. And in China today, every day, there are more people being healed from coronavirus than people being newly infected by it. Now, what some countries like South Korea, but more importantly, uh, Singapore and others have done is that they saw what's playing out in China and they got ahead of the game. They decided early on to take those crucial measures at social distancing. And as a result, the epidemic never became as bad uh, as it is here in the United States. So uh, what's really shocking about us is that unlike the Chinese, we had prior warning. We could see this play out in China. We could see the exponential growth in this disease in Italy and other places. And yet we have been asleep at the wheel until very, very recently. Let's go to the phones. We have Jess from Rogers Park. Jess, you've had to make some big changes due to coronavirus. What's happening in your life? Hi. Uh, well, my fiance and I were supposed are supposed to get married next month, mid-April, and I guess now we're having conversations about possibly postponing or canceling our wedding. So that is a big change. And and are you yeah. as you're thinking about this, have you reached out to venues and gotten a response on whether they're willing to reschedule or work with you? Not yet. We 
just last night had a conversation with my sister, who's a medical provider, and was kind of giving us the, a reality check. So today we're going to start talking to venues and exploring our options. Jess, thanks for that call. So Jess making a, a decision there to postpone a, a pretty major event um, in her life. We know Italy made the decision a couple of days ago to ban all weddings and funerals. That probably sounds like an extreme step to some people, but do you think that's in line with where we are right now? Yes, I think it is. My heart goes out to, to Jess and I wish her and her fiance all the best of luck. Um uh, but in the end, I think it makes more sense to postpone even as important event uh, as a wedding uh, as to start off your married life by thinking that uh, some elderly relative of yours may have contracted the coronavirus and later died from it uh, at your wedding. Um, you know, when you look at Italy right now, um, you have a situation in which in some hospitals in the north of the country, uh, not everybody who is uh, critically ill can get the required medical care. So doctors and nurses are having to make decisions about who they can treat and who they have to send home, even though they know that those patients are likely to die. So under those circumstances, uh, I think canceling a wedding, uh, as as momentous a decision as that is, or postponing it, uh, is the right call. So we have the treatment question and and whether hospitals and and medical providers are prepared to address COVID-19. But then there's also just the basic question of testing. As of yesterday, only a little over 16,000 Americans have been tested for COVID-19. Since testing in the U.S. has been significantly slower than other countries, what do you think we need to do to improve testing rates here? Well, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't give advice on exactly uh, what we need to do in order to be able to roll out those tests. It's clear that the administration did not take corona seriously enough from the beginning, uh, that there was a strange decision uh, by the CDC to develop its own test rather than using international ones that have been proven to work in other countries. Uh, My understanding is that uh, all the effort is currently going into increasing the testing rate. And obviously, if we want to put a stop to this disease, that has to be the very first priority. Now, the other thing that I think people need to start thinking about very, very carefully, and if there's any hospital administrators, any healthcare people listening to this, I think they need to take this very seriously, is to take very unusual measures to radically expand the capacity of intensive care units around this country. What we've seen in Italy is Um, Some hospitals just being requisitioned to deal with corona, all hands on deck, doctors whose normal specialization is not in intensive care, helping to deal with that because uh, every extra pair of hands and every extra ventilator that you're able to purchase is going to save lives. Uh, The way corona works, there's an incubation period that's relatively long. So whatever the real case rate in the country is right now, uh, it's likely that we have uh, a much, much, much higher demand on intensive care units within a, a matter of a few weeks. Um, and so I think this is a crucial period in which hospitals can uh, do what they possibly can in order to meet that demand for critical care that's coming our way, whatever we do, uh, in the next few weeks. Let's go back to the phones. We have Alicia from Belmont Cragen. Alicia, your your business is being impacted by this. What's going on? Yeah, so I uh, own a pet care business, and I also coordinate a networking group of pet care business owners in Chicago, and we're all very concerned because obviously if our clients are not going on vacation and they're not going to work, then they don't need pet care services, um, and we're already having clients um, cancel services, so we're uh, very concerned about the impact to our businesses. 
Alicia, thank you for that call. Uh, let's go to Andy in South Loop. Andy, what's your question? Well, my question is, how can we encourage people? Well, I'm a member of a uh, Buddhist organization here in South Loop, and our center has been closed now for four days. But when I look out of my south-facing window right behind St. Mary's, I've noticed that all the cars are in the parking lot, so obviously St. Mary's is still going on. He made such a point about have we not been so lackadaisical, we've lost a lot of time, a lot of time. But I do have a question. Why, why is it that some people, I heard an African-American today say that no, no black person has died of this virus. Is that true? Uh, Andy, thanks for that call. I, I don't know that we have any statistics on that. And I think one thing we're seeing right now, Yasha, is there's, you know, social media is in play and something that is a joke, um, even if it's in poor taste, will cycle around the Internet. And, and there's a glut of just bad information out there right now. How is that impacting our response? Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, what we've seen around the world is that viruses, uh, this virus, like like virtually every disease in the world, um, affects uh, people of every ethnicity and every race and every geographical origin. Um, so it's had devastating impact in uh, the city of Wuhan and uh, the Hubei province in China. It's having a devastating impact uh, in Iran and a lot of parts of the Middle East. And it's having a devastating impact uh, in big parts of Europe. So um, I think anybody who's telling you that there are people who are miraculously uh, exempt from the dangers of this virus is unfortunately uh, very badly wrong. Um, I did want to uh, uh, share one good piece of news because uh, God knows we are desperately uh, in need of good news uh, in these dire hours, um, which relates to to pets, which is that the World Health Organization uh, announced that according to some preliminary research at least, um, uh, dogs and cats and other domestic pets uh, cannot transmit the coronavirus. So um, uh, but one thing you can do while you're stuck at home is to uh, give your, your pet an extra belly rub for me. Um, and hopefully that, that can uh, cheer all of us up a little bit. Well, I have two dogs at home who will happily accept those extra belly rubs. You know, one of the things that we've seen is just people questioning why COVID-19 is having such an impact, why we should respond so strongly when there isn't a similar response to seasonal flu. It hasn't led to any major shutdowns in the last few years. Can you just give us some context around how COVID-19 compares to seasonal flu? Um, Absolutely. So uh, look, the first point is that uh, corona, uh, COVID-19 is much, much more deadly than the flu. Um, it's impossible to have the exact numbers right now because, as we've been talking about, we're not making enough tests, and so it's hard to know uh, how to compare the fatality rates to uh, the number of overall cases. Um, optimistic estimates say that uh, the fatality rate is about 1%, which is to say that about 1 out of 100 people who get this disease are going to die from it. Uh, the figures that we have so far from countries like China and Italy uh, are much worse than that. Um, Italy has a fatality rate of, of about 4% so far. Now, for comparison's sake, uh, the, a bad strain of the flu has a fatality rate of about 0.1%. So uh, we can expect 10 to perhaps 30 or 40 times as many people to die from corona than from the flu on a case-by-case basis. Now, additionally, 
uh, you know, our healthcare systems are designed to deal with the flu. A lot of people have immunity against uh, some forms of the flu because the it's a bug that's been around for a very long time. Uh, and neither of those things are true with a coronavirus. So our hospitals are having to deal with this extra demand on top of the normal flu season. And a much larger number of people could suddenly get corona because we don't have any immunity in the population. And what you see then is emergency rooms, intensive care units being completely overwhelmed with the demand. And at that point, the fatality rate could spike significantly above what we've seen so far. What essentially happens to you in this disease, and again, I'm not a doctor, um, but what essentially happens to you is that you get a form of pneumonia uh, and you start developing difficulties breathing. And if you have a ventilator and medical staff to operate it in order to make sure that you can continue to breathe, then you have a chance of surviving it when you develop severe symptoms. Mm -hmm. If we get to a point in which the healthcare system is so overwhelmed that doctors uh, do not have the machinery and the personnel available to make sure that people can continue breathing, then the fatality rate will uh, be difficult to comprehend. That's Yasha Munk. He's a contributing writer at The Atlantic, and you can read his work on social distancing at theatlantic.com. Yasha, thank you for speaking with us. Thank you so much. And that's today's Reset. When it comes to the coronavirus outbreak, the news is moving very quickly. So from numbers to closings to cancellations to information and advice, check in with WBEZ for the latest on the pandemic. Check WBEZ.org slash coronavirus for updates. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy. Stay safe. And let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.